Well, if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I hope that everyone had a very happy Thanksgiving. Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Decent? Great. I hope it was better than mine. So I had the privilege of going up to North Carolina uh, with my wife and my kids. We went up uh, to stay at my sister-in-law's house, and my two oldest daughters came down from New York, and we got to see them. It was wonderful. Uh, We had Thanksgiving meal. It was great until about 11 o'clock that night. I got to see my Thanksgiving meal twice and was sick like all day Friday and then got to drive home Saturday. So if I look a little puny up here and, you know, I seem a little weak, I am. So um, I am, one of the things I am grateful for is the Thanksgiving cleansing that God gave me and... You know, we usually start uh, January off with a fast, and I just thought I'd start now. So, like, I'm already there. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and start fasting. So, um, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. But one of the things that made me super thankful for is the health that I have. Uh, you know, there's some things that we forget to be thankful for until it's taken away. And when it's taken away, we go, oh, wow, that is so precious and so valuable. So I'm so grateful for the health that God has provided. And I'm grateful for my very sweet wife who took care of me and tried to stay away from me. Um, So she did a great job of managing uh, both of those things. So hope you had a, a better Thanksgiving than that. Now, if you were with us last week and you watched me do the craziest thing ever of starting this service on a treadmill, anybody hope that I do something weirder this morning? All right, three, three, four people that want to see me hurt myself. So in honor of that, I'm going to do that. I'm going to attempt to walk that plank later in the service, okay? So don't fall asleep. It's going to be really exciting. So, so pay attention. Now, so far in this series, what we've been doing is we've been studying grace And if you've missed any part of this series, I strongly encourage you to go to our website, theepicchurch.com, go to our iTunes account and listen to our messages there. This series on grace is one I think all of us need to listen to multiple times. And it may be something we need to revisit several times throughout the year just to be reminded of grace and its purpose in our lives and what God wants us to do with grace. And so in this series, what we've seen so far is that grace stoops for us. We watched in week one as God stooped from heaven to earth, and then God stooped to pick up our sin, my sin, your sin, on his shoulders, and he stooped to the cross to pay a debt that that we should have paid. He paid that for us, and then he stooped to the grave and died a death that we should have died. And then Jesus defeated death in his resurrection, and he stood to declare in Romans 8, 1, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And if you're a Christ follower, there is no condemnation for you. Aren't you so grateful for a grace that's in action and a grace that stoops for you and me? I am. And then last week, we learned that God's grace frees us from having to run the treadmill of life the treadmill of religious activity where we're always trying to earn something in a relationship with God and God comes along and says, you can't earn it. It's grace. It's freely given to you. You must freely receive it through faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Talked a lot about that last week. It's about belief. It's not about behavior. 
So God saved you by your grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And then if you remember last week, we ended this service by talking about two eternal life insurance plans. And I had a little card for you to read through and I gave you the option, you pick which plan you wanna pick for, for your eternal insurance, eternal life insurance. There was a performance plan based upon you doing the work necessary. And the, the fine print says, you can't do it. it. It doesn't lead anywhere. It's like running on a treadmill that leads nowhere. And then we talked about the grace plan. The grace plan is based upon what God has done for us. And we received the grace plan through faith in Jesus Christ. And there were 19 people last week that said they were receiving God's grace. They were signing up for the grace plan through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time in their lives. And that happened last week. Isn't that something to celebrate? So... We need to be praying for those 19 people on this new journey in their relationship with God. And um, I, I try to keep fairly accurate records on that. So in the life of our church over the past seven years, we've seen over 390 people make that same decision. Uh, so isn't that amazing? I'm so grateful that, that God would use us to draw people to him and transform their lives forever. Now, we love grace, don't we? I mean, we love it. And at the end of the service, we're gonna sing Amazing Grace. We're gonna sing the, the traditional version. So if you're a hymnal person, you are gonna love this version. And uh, uh, you know, we love grace. We love so many things about grace. But even though we love grace, we struggle with grace. We struggle in several ways with grace. We struggle to receive it sometimes. We struggle to apply it to our lives. We struggle to share it with others. And that's what we're gonna to try to talk about today, our struggle with sharing grace with other people, even though we know we desperately need it. Now, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 18 for a few minutes this morning. So if you have your Bible and wanna flip over there, Matthew chapter 18 captures a story that Jesus told. It's called a parable. And Jesus would often tell parables, tell stories, and they had a point. They had a teaching point to them. And so this is one of those teaching parables. And so listen to uh, starting in verse 23. Matthew 18, starting in verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Um, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now, imagine if you were in that spot. Imagine if like, you are maxed out on your credit cards, you're in, in debt and you're up to your eyeballs with your home loan, your car loan, and everybody decides to call that in at the same time and says, you need to pay now. You can't pay. And so like you're in a bad spot. They say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell you. We're going to sell your family. We're going to sell all your stuff. And then we'll call it even. Sound like a good deal? No. Sounds like a terrible deal. Um, but then we see grace. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. There's a combination of mercy and grace. 
going on there in that moment. Can you imagine how grateful you would be if that was your, your story, if that was your life right then, how grateful you would be for the grace that you'd been given and how motivated you would be to share that with other people. But we aren't always like that. Verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now, Jesus continues that story, um, but it demonstrates our struggle with grace. It demonstrates how difficult it is sometimes, even though we receive grace, how difficult it is for us to give grace to other people. And you might say, like, I wouldn't do that. If I were in his spot and I was given grace the way he was given grace, I wouldn't act like that. And I would hope I wouldn't act like that, but to be honest, you're speaking for myself, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't act like that. I'm not so sure that I would pour out grace um, after I'd been given lots of grace. So I thought, how could we like test grace for us and kind of measure the depth of grace in our own lives? So I came up with this little test. So I've got a few questions for you, and I want to just see how you would answer these questions, okay? So this past week, most of you, most of us, spent time with family or friends around a Thanksgiving meal. So maybe you were around some people that you don't always enjoy being around. So my question, you might already know where I'm going, is how gracious were you with some of those people? How gracious were you with that family member who drives you crazy? A few chuckles. How gracious were you with that aunt who's always telling you how to live? How gracious were you with that uncle who is so opinionated about everything and he brings up every hot topic to make your family gatherings so incredibly uncomfortable? How gracious were you with those people? How gracious were you with people that just irritate you, get under your skin, and maybe they're the people that you only see once or twice a year, and the reason is because they drive you nuts. So were you gracious with those people? I mean, genuinely gracious, the way that God is gracious with us, or did you just tolerate them? Tolerance and grace are two different things. Were you gracious, or were you tolerant? Now, a little bit harder question. How gracious were you during this past election? How gracious were you with someone from that other political party? You know that person that pulled into Walmart who had that bumper sticker of the other candidate and they took your spot? That parking spot that you wanted right up front? Like how gracious were you with that person? How gracious were you if your political candidate won the election? How gracious were you if your political candidate didn't win the election? You know, it's very interesting. Uh, there are certain subjects, politics is one of those subjects, where we come around the issue of grace and say, 
Uh, this subject justifies why I don't have to be gracious with other people. Politics is a great example of that. So sometimes we think, you know, my political views, my political opinions are right and theirs are wrong. So that means they don't deserve grace. They don't deserve my grace. I might deserve grace because I'm right, but they don't deserve grace. And that's what our servant in Jesus' story felt. He felt like he deserved that grace. But his fellow servant, who was in the exact same spot that he was in, didn't deserve grace. And here's what we're doing in those moments. In those moments, we're we're making judgment calls about grace and about who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it. And so often what we're doing when we judge people and we judge ourselves is we are judging other people by their behavior and we're asking to be judged by our intentions, So we say, look at that person, their behavior. Look at how they're voting. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're behaving. Look at how they're treating their kids. Terrible, horrible people. They don't deserve grace. And then we ask people, please judge me based upon my intention. Can't you see my heart? I intend to be a good parent. I intend to be a good worker. I intend to be a good Christ follower. Like, can't you tell my intentions are good? They may not show up in my actions always, but my intentions are good. So again, sometimes we're judging other people based upon their behavior, and yet we're asking people to judge us based upon our intentions. That's a dangerous place to be when we try to justify who gets grace and who doesn't get grace. In those moments we feel like somebody doesn't deserve grace, that's the moment they deserve grace. That's what grace is about. It's not something that we, we earn. It's something that is freely given. Now, that's one of our struggles with sharing grace. Here's another big struggle that we have with sharing grace. I don't think that we fully understand the relationship between grace and the law. It's something we talked about last week. We talked about the law a little bit last week. The law represents God's rules for us for growing to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. It includes everything from the 10 commandments to the golden rule to anything and everything we find in scripture that God says, this is the best possible way for you to live. So that's the law. Now, what I'm gonna call that today, I'm gonna change the name of that for just a minute. I'm gonna call that the truth. Okay, so that is the truth. That's the law. This is God's perfect standard for living. That's how God wants Christ followers to live. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, we have God's grace. So the unearned favor of God. And so we have these two things that we don't fully understand the struggle, the tension between these two things. And what we try to do is we try to balance these things and manage these things and we can't balance these things well. And so what happens is we end up being either a truth Christian or a grace Christian and then churches end up doing the same thing. We either end up being truth churches or we end up being grace churches. Now I grew up around a lot of truth churches And those churches emphasize church attendance, wearing the right clothes to church on Sundays. And please don't tell my mom I'm wearing this because I would so not be allowed in church when I was a kid showing up, you know, in a shirt like this and jeans, like jeans were not allowed. I had to wear a tie and barf, had to wear all that stuff I did not want to wear. 
Um, those churches in, in emphasized singing the right kind of songs, reading and having the right kind of Bible translation. If you don't walk in with a King James version of the Bible, like you were probably escorted out, like what are you doing in here with a, with, with a Bible that's, that's not the inspired word of God? Those churches uh, emphasize knowing right theology and being separate from the world. And when somebody would come into church who didn't know those things, they were just looking for uh, an answer and may, possibly in Christ, trying to figure out, does God have anything to offer them? Uh, many of my experiences around that were that they were not welcomed at church. So what they needed to do was they needed to leave. They needed to go and uh, buy some church clothes they need to go and learn some hymnals. They need to buy the right kind of Bible translation and then start living the truth. And then when they came back, maybe they would be welcomed back in the church. And that was only if they didn't violate the assigned seating rule in the church. The, th the rule that nobody knows about, you know, like don't sit in somebody's seat, like, because they'll let you know, hey, that's my seat. You need to go sit somewhere else. So, if, if you didn't know all that stuff, you had to go clean up your life and figure all that stuff out on your own, and then maybe you'd be welcomed back. Now, the thing in truth churches that wasn't taught a lot was grace. And I don't mean that grace was never taught because grace is in the Bible, so it was taught, but it was taught from the perspective of grace is for people who go to church, not people who don't go to church. And so that was the perspective of the churches that I grew up in. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, we have grace churches. Grace churches tend to welcome everyone into their gathering. They emphasize love, tolerance, acceptance, and the thought that we're all children of God. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how you live. doesn't matter how you believe. God loves all of us. God's grace will reach everyone no matter who we are. And the thing that isn't talked about much in grace churches is truth. Um, truth is so judgmental. Truth is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Absolute. And so we don't wanna be seen as an absolute group of people. We don't wanna be seen as a judgmental group of people. And so we, we tend to lean on the side of everything's okay, God's love, God's grace is gonna reach out for everybody. It's all right, doesn't matter how you live. It's all gonna be okay. Whoa, I told you I wasn't like on my A game this morning. Hold on one second. Now, those of us who don't want to end up at one extreme or another, we try this, this really interesting balancing act. And so we start walking, you know, the plank, walking the tightrope. As we read scripture, you can't read scripture and not see truth and grace. And so we read scripture and so sometimes we see truth and we apply a little truth here and then we see grace. Oh, gotta apply a little grace here, can't forget about grace. And then we go back and forth and it feels like we're trying to balance two things that are polar opposites. And we struggle with this on a regular basis. And this gets us into a lot of trouble on, on a consistent basis. But listen to what 1 John verse 17 says. This is the new King James Version. For the law, or the truth, was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Moses gave us the law, the rules, the truth, but Jesus 
gave us grace and truth. And then John 1.14 says that Jesus lived full of grace and truth. You know how Jesus lived his life? He didn't walk a plank. He didn't walk a balance being trying to balance truth and grace. Jesus embodied both of those things and he modeled for us what it looks like for us to live with both grace and truth at the same time. And we saw that in week number one as we saw the woman who was caught in adultery brought to Jesus. So we had the truth Christians, they weren't called Christians at that time, but the truth followers who brought this woman, they were following the rules, they caught this woman in adultery. And quick pause button, um, do you know like there needs to be two people caught in adultery? Where's the guy? Not sure where the guy is. This really wasn't about her. Um, this was about them fighting with Jesus, these religious leaders. So she was just a pawn. So if, if, they, if it wasn't about her, they would have brought him as well. So they brought her to Jesus and they, they commanded, they demanded, Jesus, you condemn her to die for her actions. Because the law, the truth says she should die. And that was true. Their law said that she should die for her actions. But what did Jesus do? He brought her grace and truth. So he said to her accusers, he said, all right, you can stone her, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Can you imagine what, what happened there? And scripture's clear what happened. They dropped their rocks, starting at the oldest to the youngest. I can just see the wisdom in the older guys going, well, I can't throw a rock. And the younger guys holding on to their rock for as long as possible. And then finally, well, I can't throw a rock either. And so they all dropped their rocks. And when she was standing there alone with Jesus, he said to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. And Jesus could have landed on the truth side and condemned her for her behavior. He could have landed on the grace side and excused her behavior, but he didn't either. He brought her grace and truth and said, where are your accusers? I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And that's the example that God has called us to live by, to live full of grace and truth. And I think God calls us as Christ followers to live that way, and he calls us as churches to live that way, full of grace and truth. But here's the thing that we need to know about these two things. We make them opposites, as so many things in scripture, we make them opposites, but they aren't opposites. Because you know what? Grace is truth, and truth is grace. They are intricately tied together. They are dependent upon each other. And God wants us to understand that those moments where we lean into one, that doesn't mean we are neglecting the other. In a moment where we lean towards grace, that doesn't mean truth isn't fully present at the exact same time. In the moment we lean towards truth, that doesn't mean grace is somewhere else. Grace is fully present in that exact same moment. Here's an example. Hebrews chapter 12, verse six says that God disciplines those he loves. Now, let me ask, when you were a kid, how many of you uh, felt loved when your parents disciplined you? I didn't. Man, my parents disciplined me. I'm like, 
you jerks. Like, you're just all about truth. You're all about the rules. You're never about grace. You just want to punish me. Like, you, you want to keep me from having fun in life. And now as a parent, I understand that's not true. God's discipline comes out of his love for us. As a parent, my discipline of my kids comes out of my incredible love for my kids. But my kids could say, Dad, you're just all about truth and you're never about grace. That's not true. Those things are intricately tied together. And just because you see one in a moment, that doesn't mean the other one is not close by. So instead of us trying to balance these two things that feel so separate, here we go. Are you ready? All right, here we go. It's going to be super exciting. Oh, did you think I was doing it up there? Oh, no. That's crazy. Who would do that? So this is how God wants us to live. God wants us to live full of grace and truth. Not like this, trying to balance it out all all the time. Like, oop, I I gave truth yesterday. I better give grace today. That's not how God wants us to live. That's not, not how Jesus lived. He wants us to live full of grace and truth. Now, obviously, it's a whole lot easier to walk across that plank on the floor than it is up there on the chairs where some of you were really hoping I would do that. But that illustration helps uh, to explain something that we do with grace. We make it so difficult sometimes. We make that tension so incredibly difficult and we feel like it's this balance beam. We're gonna fall off one side or another and then all of a sudden we're gonna be this truth Christian or we're gonna be this grace Christian. And yet God says, I, I want you to learn to live with grace and truth. Now, walking grace and truth, like when I walked this plank on the floor, it looked a whole lot easier than trying to do it up there on the, the chairs. But walking it on the floor doesn't mean it's, it's easy. It may be simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's actually kind of a messy process and it's a difficult process. And it's a process where if you choose to be a grace, truth Christian, you're going to be misunderstood and you're going to be labeled in your life. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about Jesus is he was misunderstood a lot in his life and he was labeled by a whole lot of people. They didn't understand what he was doing. Um, so we've got to learn to be more okay with that as Christ followers, if we're really gonna follow the example that Jesus gave. So here at Epic, we've chosen to be a grace, truth church. And here's what that means. That means everyone is welcome at Epic. Doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter color your skin, your political opinion, your lifestyle, your beliefs, none of that matters. When it comes to learning the teachings of Jesus, when it comes to being welcomed at church, I think everyone should be welcomed at church, whether you have what we call church clothes or not. Like, what are church clothes? If you have clothes, you have church clothes. So, so come to church. If you don't know the songs, guess what? You can learn the songs. You know, keep coming. You'll learn them in a short amount of time. And, and it's not about carrying in a, a, the right Bible translation. It's about coming to learn about the teachings of Jesus. We even want people who come and say, you know, I don't even know that I really want to be here. I got a chip on my shoulder. I don't think God has anything for me. I lost a bed at work. And so I had to come to church one Sunday. I'm like, great. I'm so glad that you're here. Like, come in. You're welcome. Come and sit among us. Now, here's what happens with that. We have been accused of being a grace church who doesn't teach truth because of that, 
because we welcome anybody and everybody into our church family. But I can't get away from the reality of when I read scripture that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And scripture says that tax collectors and notorious sinners, and it's interesting that tax collectors got their own category, tax collectors and notorious sinners loved to be with Jesus. There was something about Jesus that drew them to him. And I gotta ask, is there something about us that draws people in? Is there something about us as Christ followers? Is there something about our church family that people go, like, I don't know what it is. I don't believe all that junk that they believe, but there's something about them. I just wanna be around them. If there isn't, we might be truth Christians. There should be something about us that stands out so different that people just want to be around us. Now, at the same time, Jesus didn't die so we can live any way we want. He died so we could be transformed. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So that's God's goal for us. God's goal is that we become new people. And we need help in how to become those new people. And guess what we need? We need several things. The first thing is God's written word. God's written word has the ability to transform our lives. But guess what? This is just information. If you just read it, it may not transform you. What you have to do is read it and apply it. Information plus application equals transformation. So when we read God's written word and we see something that God says, hey, this is the best way for you to live, and then we do that thing, that's where transformation begins to happen. So we are in desperate need of God's written word. We should be lifelong students of it. Doesn't matter how, how long you've been a Christ follower. We need to be studying God's written word all of our lives to understand the truth that it contains and to live by that truth. Now, another thing that we need is each other. We desperately need each other. Scripture's clear about that. It talks about there's safety in a multitude of counselors and there's so many verses about the wisdom of people that come around us and we need that. We need people to speak truth to us because guess what? Sometimes we're not living the life that we should live. Sometimes we're not applying the truth that we should apply. And so in those moments, we need people who love us and who will speak truth to us and help us back on track. And I have had many people in my life who have done that for me. And I'm so grateful for those people. Maybe not in that moment, I wasn't grateful for them, but I'm so grateful for those people who said like, Hey Trent, like I got to point this thing out to you. Like, like it just seems like you're a little off track in your relationship with God in this specific area. Like, like, Hey, I don't want to condemn you for this, but like, Hey, this seems like an issue. I love you, man. I want to help you. I'm so grateful for people who are willing to speak that kind of truth to me. And so I've tried to make it a practice in my life to, to speak that kind of truth to other people as well. And I gotta tell you, in my journey of doing that, there are some moments it has gone really well. There's some moments I've taken a risk and I've said to another brother in Christ, like, hey man, I gotta point something out. Like, I don't, I don't really like doing this, but I gotta point something out in your life that just seems like a little bit off in your relationship with God. And there have been people who have thanked me for being willing to speak that truth. Now at other times, it hasn't gone so well. At other times, I've spoken truth or tried to speak truth and love to someone, and they have called me a hypocrite, leading a church full of hypocrites, and they've left our church over it. Deeply grieves my heart when that happens. Deeply grieves my heart. 
when, when we're trying to guide someone in that transformed life and they say, like, I don't want what you have to offer. You know what? You're just a truth Christian. You're not about grace. It breaks my heart. And so in those moments, what often happens, we start thinking, well, maybe I'll just be one or the other. It'll just be easier because we get misunderstood when we try to live full of grace and truth. But I think it's the only option that we have as, as Christ followers. The only option that Jesus modeled for us was how to live full of grace and truth, not one or the other. These extremes are areas that God doesn't want us to live in. He wants us to live full of grace and truth. So I gotta ask you, what kind of Christian are you gonna be? What kind of Christ follower are you gonna be? Are you gonna be a truth Christian? All about the rules? Are you gonna be a grace Christian? All about tolerance? Or are you gonna be a grace, truth Christian who lives full of both of those things? It's messy. You're gonna get misunderstood if you try to be a grace, truth Christian. You're gonna be labeled. But I think it's worth walking that line because it's the line that Jesus walked for us. So just a few more questions and then our worship team will, will close us out today. So for those of, of us who desire to live as grace, truth Christians, let me ask, is there anybody you need to pour out grace for? Is there anybody in your life you just need to pour out grace for them? You know, maybe you think back to Thanksgiving and maybe like you had an interaction at Thanksgiving with a family member and maybe it didn't go so well. Maybe you need to like go back and make that right. Or maybe there's somebody at work or at home or at school, maybe even at church, you need to pour out grace for them. Remember what grace is, it's God's unearned favor. So what would it look like for you to pour out your unearned favor for them this week? I challenge you to do that. At the same time, is there anybody that you need to speak truth to? Is there anybody in your life who claims to be a Christ follower, but they're not living the life that, that God wants them to live? And, and maybe God is prompting you, like, go and speak to them. Go and, and point out how they can, can live that life. They need to get back on track with me. Love them enough to do that. So is there anybody in your life you need to speak truth to? And will you do that this week? So again, the big tension for us is how to live full of grace and truth. So that's the, the path that God has called us to. So we're gonna um, pray together and then our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna sing and lead us through amazing grace. And as we sing together, I strongly encourage you to, to process through, God, how can I live as a grace, truth Christian in my life starting today? So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for your written word and Lord, what it teaches us on a regular basis, Lord, how to live in a, a right relationship with you and how to, Lord, not balance grace and truth because that's what we try to do. We try to make it a balancing act and we make it more difficult than it needs to be. But Lord, you want us to live full of grace and truth. And there are moments that that, Lord, when we're pouring out grace, that doesn't mean that we're leaning away from truth. And there are moments we're leaning into truth. That doesn't mean we're leaning away from grace. So, Jesus, you modeled that so beautifully for us. And I pray that you would show us how to do that on a regular basis. Not to go to one extreme or another, but to live with full measure of both grace and truth. We're so incredibly grateful 
for the grace that you've poured out for us. And we understand that it's through that grace that we can have eternal life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would shine that light to people in our world who desperately need to see your light for all of eternity. Empower us, I pray, as we sing. Amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.